Okay, three, two, one, action. Hey, Fang Gang, welcome to our season one recap. I'm Amanda. I'm Jen. And I'm Chris. This episode, we're going to take a look back on our maiden voyage of our Buffy podcast. Uh, I can't believe we made it through all 12 episodes of the first season. Um, and actually, this season is way shorter than all the next seasons. So buckle up for a 12-episode recap. Season one starts with the super epic two-hour um, cinematic <laughs> season premiere um, that was broken up into two parts. So um, episode one, which is Welcome to the Hellmouth, um, and episode two, The Harvest. And in The Harvest, we see our first student deaths. Um, we actually get two in this episode letting us know the gravity of where what the adventure we're about to embark on wait so was it two for those two episodes or just the harvest so it's just the harvest and it's um jesse who Mm -hmm. turns into a fan right of course and then there is a girl at the bronze who gets eaten by the master's minion oh the vessel luke oh okay that's right Okay, only two. Geez, they really uh, <laughs> they made us wait. They made us put in work for those first two student deaths, I feel like. Um, okay, and then episode three, of course, we have The Witch. Um, that, this was the first episode that was off the whole master returning kind of story arc. And um, just a reminder for the listeners, this is the episode where the mom... Um, was an evil witch and was using her powers to relive the time in her life when she peaked, which was apparently (laughs) high school, um, by transferring herself into her daughter, Amy's body. Yeah, we actually have only some student injuries in this episode, no deaths, but in the end, they do defeat Amy's mom, So, and she was a previous student, so, you know, there's a little bit of a stretch there, so we get a death of a student parent, you know, not really sure if we would include that into the faculty, but she seems like someone who would totally be in PTA, though. (laughs) Oh yeah, she she is the person <laughs> that wants to ban like Huck Finn from like the reading <laughs> list for sure. She's an overactive parent. She's like, make sure those brownies don't have gluten in them <laughs> <laughs> or peanuts, dude. <laughs> also, though, dude, um, I'm sure she ended up dying eventually, but it did. She was still alive in the trophy case. At the end of the episode, if you remember, she oh, that's right. Her she little eyes were moving, and she was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was more like trapped. I'm sure she's dead by now. That was like what 1997. She's totally <laughs> dead by now. Um, episode four, we have teacher's pet. Um, that was when a super sexy um, substitute teacher comes to town and ends up being a giant praying mantis. Yeah, so that we get two faculty deaths there, two teachers. Um, we sexy mantis 
kills the first teacher so she could become the substitute. And then she ends up getting killed by the gang. So technically, you know, she's on the payroll. (laughs) (laughs) We'll count it. Um, okay, episode five. So we're back on the master storyline. So this is actually the episode where we're introduced to um, the anointed uh, never kill a boy on the first date is the title of this episode. That was a great episode where Buffy has a boyfriend. And or no, she goes on a date. She with goes on a Owen, date. Right? Yeah, with, yeah. The angel lookalike. <laughs> sad, sad boy. Uh-huh. The episode where we find out the bronze serves food because it's where Buffy oh, gets. Yeah. yeah. Yes, weird Enough. breakfast foods from Costco. Yeah. <laughs> she gets a muffin. <laughs> I thought it was a quesal. Maybe that's another episode. No, in the pack, she has a quesal, I think. Yeah. In the next episode, it's a quesal. <laughs> <laughs> How many people die this episode, Jen? None. No, no students no? or no faculty or students because it's not really happening at school. We have people die on um, the bus, but none of them were students. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, episode six is the pack. Um, this is another kind of one-off X-Files episode. Um, this is where hyenas make a soul bond with the bullies and Xander and havoc ensues. Yeah, this one is where Principal Fluti dies. So. And yeah. her pig. Yes. I guess oh. we could count mascots <laughs> as being faculty. Yeah, his name was Herbert. That <laughs> was really sad for me. I feel like that was the hardest death for me, honestly. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, pretty brutal. Um, episode seven, of course, is Angel. Um, and this is where we kind of get a little bit more backstory about Angel. Um and also the master who's pretty much over Buffy at this point, he sends the three to kill her. Yes. Um, and they don't, don't succeed. <laughs> <laughs> we get the angel backstory, but no um, actual, you know, scenes from old-timey scenes no those are in store i am very excited for those when those finally happen (laughs) um and then we have just like this super crazy wild ride um episode eight with irobot eugene which is the moloch demon who is freed um onto the net (laughs) (laughs) the first catfish episode (laughs) And in this episode, we have two student deaths, um, two internet nerds die. One of them was the most brutal death, the guy that killed himself in the computer lab. I thought that was the worst death. And the the computer wrote his suicide note. Yeah. (laughs) Very ominous. It was fucking grim, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely commentary on society. Yeah. and then episode nine, my personal favorite episode, the puppet show. Um, 
where the puppet's alive. Pretty much, pretty direct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty direct plot there. Yeah. It was a it was a twist though because even though the puppet is rapey, he, he's not bad. <laughs> the puppet he's apparently just old timey. Yeah, he just yeah he's alive from a time when that was more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up helping the gang in the end, so there, that is a twist. It's like when you read, um, you know, old science fiction, you got to take the rapey chauvinism <laughs> with it <laughs> also where we meet principal snyder for the first time mm. oh yeah who gives us evil vibes but i haven't like really sh- turned into anything yet but actually he has evil vibes but he's a seems like he's anti-student death which yeah, he never really took that's a stance on that. true. <laughs> he's more no nonsense for sure so how many people, how many uh, students? In Puppet died? Show, we had three yeah. student deaths. Um, a demon who poses as a student. So that student is the first to go, unfortunately. <laughs> well, okay. I guess it's like the demon takes over his body, right? And then that demon body kills two students. And then Xander kills that demon slash student. So... Three. Three lost student souls in the puppet show. So far the most. A dark one. Yeah, organ harvesting. Mm-hmm. Death by organ harvest. Um, episode 10 is Nightmares. This plot was probably the most convoluted plot of the season, in my opinion. It's a boy in a coma is controlling <laughs> the reality of people in Sunnydale and their nightmares are manifest into reality. Is that yeah, basically understanding? until Buffy solves the crime that he's <laughs> in a abuse. coma because his baseball coach physically abused him right with a bat. Somehow this plot made less sense than the Moloch plot. <laughs> but it did really touch on serious topics which uh it's appreciated also one where um like smoking is kind of the enemy because there's the the girl who's downstairs smoking is like the first victim well the second i guess because the boy yeah Yeah. Yeah. wow um no student deaths just some violent injuries (laughs) Including a child beaten with a baseball bat by the little league. You know, but he's not a student of Sunnydale High. So. <laughs> how can we say like future student? I don't know how many high schools this town has. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like one. It seems like his class would be a feeder. <laughs> it does seem like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, episode eleven, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, this episode, we have a student of Sunnydale who is just completely ignored by everyone in school and eventually turns invisible because she feels invisible. 
we're still not sure whether or not she's wearing clothes. <laughs> Never really landed on that. We can confirm she has shoes because she had a shoe print. Shoe prints. Yeah, but it makes sense. It seems dirty. <laughs> um, it turned into a ghost by people saying, have a nice summer. <laughs> In her yearbook. So look at any listeners are signing yearbooks or retirement cards or I don't know what you guys are signing these days, but no, have a nice summer. You're just signing someone's invisibility sentence. <laughs> so wait, we had, no, these are more just violent attacks, right? Again, just violent attacks. Yeah. By we... the girl that's invisible. Mm-hmm. Pretty brutal. Okay. That's the one where she taunts the student by with the baseball bat, right? In the locker. Oh my god, yes. She takes a baseball bat and like hits the lockers moving up towards him, which She's is like fucking you're scared, bitch. <laughs> this is the one I learned from my dad. He's a little league coach. Guess what? I didn't have a nice summer. <laughs> oh fuck. That was a violent episode. Um, and then, of course, the season finale, Prophecy Girl. Um, this is where Buffy, Buffy finally accepts her role in having to defeat the master. And she learns that it, the price is her life. Uh, the prophecy says there's no escaping that one. While one lives, the other exactly. survives. <laughs> Basically, Harry esque yeah. in this situation. Um, but she faces her death dressed for prom. And uh, ends up defeating the master. Yeah, and we get um, a pretty big five student deaths here in this episode. Um, all by the master's minions done off camera. So, And then one being Cordelia's boyfriend. So pretty brutal and kind of, I feel like, initiates Cordelia's character arc a little bit. Um at least this one. <laughs> and so... This is where we have the AV club murder, right? Yes. This is probably the biggest... It's like a mass group Yeah, it kind is. Of totally. Yeah. And so we have a total of 12 students dying in season one. 13 if you include Buffy. She, she did technically die. Um, two teachers, one principal, and one student mom. So 16 students and faculty. Yeah, that was, um, was definitely a wild ride. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. But a short season. So the rest of the seasons are actually 22 episodes long. So considering how short this season really was, um, a lot of shit happened. <laughs> A lot of random one-off characters were introduced. I feel like a lot of lore is the groundwork for, like, the Buffyverse is kind of laid out. Um, yeah, all packed into 12 one-hour kind of thrill rides. Yeah, and really it's only, like, 45 minutes um, with all those Oh, yeah, because commercials. commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so some of the lore that I feel like we learned that's specific to Buffy is how someone becomes a vampire 
Um, and that's, you know, that they, a vamp sucks their blood, but then they also have to suck blood. It's a real suck fest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very homoerotic for sure. And, (laughs) and then we also have, um, you know, we learn about the watchers and how like each slayer is assigned a watcher and how the watchers are a birthline, whereas slayers are not. Are we still certain about like if it's one family? Is it the Giles family? I'm not sure, but I think I don't know if it's one family, mm-hmm. but at least you can know that Giles family is a watcher. Yeah, Giles. Family is watchers for three generations mm. back, but not every watcher is from that family line. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. What else have we learned? Vamps don't breathe. So <laughs> angels that's right. sexy breathing is fake. <laughs> it's just for us. <laughs> oh we learned about the inviting vampires in Mm, yes they have to be invited in seems like not every time though it's like once you're invited into a place you are now able to go into that place Mm um yeah and then what are some i think some things that surprised me that happened buffy's mom joyce got bit at some point it gets a little blood suckled <laughs> I was not expecting and then she is definitely like very willing to like believe anything <laughs> it seems like even everyone in Sunnydale is though that's I true. feel like that's Cordelia true. has a lot of Cordelia sees a bunch of shit she gets like slashed by an invisible girl with, like a scalpel <laughs> and she still is like that was weird I don't know like, I do feel like happening? though by the end of the season Cordelia is like able to see you know that it's it's not you know she's able to be like okay that's not normal <laughs> whereas Joyce is definitely just like I tripped on a barbecue fork (laughs) (laughs) we don't even own one I forgot that's what they convinced her happened hilarious (laughs) yeah okay so I will maybe get us started on our character recaps and go through some of our main characters and kind of where we are now and any big big moments that we saw happen and so I'll get us started with Buffy and yeah Buffy is I feel like when it comes down to it just a teenage girl doing her best and she is super hot and has amazing outfits but still gets bullied so (laughs) she's a mystery there's just no winning (laughs) And yeah, I feel like she just mostly wants to be a teenage girl, but a prophecy has marked her as the chosen one and is just gets in her way. And I feel like that's, to me, I feel like the main point of the show is it's just like every episode is how this fucking prophecy of her being the chosen one gets into her way of trying to have 
a normal life. And now she has to fight vamps with spin kicks and karate chops, which she does super well. <laughs> and she can make a steak with all kinds of things surrounding her. <laughs> um, I think so far we've really just seen the table chair, a white picket fence, <laughs> yes. and the, just a tree branch. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm excited to see kind of like where that goes. Um and so Buffy is from LA, another weird, like, I feel like she would not get bullied moving <laughs> to a small town and being this hot girl from LA, but whatever. Um, and her mom, Joyce, moves her, Buffy and her from LA to this like little small suburban town, Sunnydale, so Buffy can try to move on from burning down the gym at her old school. And, you know, Joyce is just wanting her to not be such a problem child and work on school, eat three-course breakfasts. And... Joyce should have thought of that before she divorced Buffy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we don't really know the story behind that. They don't really get to, at least so far. So seems like the dad is uh, not interested too much in being around. At least that's Buffy's fear. Um but yeah, and then, you know, Buffy, lucky for her, Sunnydale is on top of the Hellmouth, which just happens to be a place of increased supernatural energy, which just happens to mean that there's a bunch of demons and other monsters, and as well as just the normal vamps that she is supposed to kill. It's the prophecy, the prophecy making itself come true. She finds herself at the mouth of hell. Maybe it wasn't just because this is the only place Joyce could afford to open a gallery. <laughs> Maybe it was meant to be. Yes, there you go, dude. The um, master is the one who like wrote the ad for the gallery opening for Joyce to see. <laughs> 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 Bringing them there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cut scene. And Buffy has, you know, in just this one season already found this like great love of her life in Angel. And he's a vamp. So it's this like forbidden love that's super romantic and tragic. Yeah, star crossed. Plus, he's like 200. <laughs> 240. Plus his age. He's been a vampire for 240 years. Yeah. And he and also got like turned 40. at 20, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 40. Yeah, actually, throughout this season, depending on the light, I'm like, is he 20 or 40? <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah, dude. Just the deepest V's to be found. Um, <laughs> and. Buffy has found a really great group of friends with Willow, Xander, Giles, and I think now Cordelia is what they're kind of setting it up to be, um, and Angel. And so I think that that's a really, they've, I mean, Willow and Xander have been, and Giles have been there since the first episode, and she's got herself like a pretty tight crew. Um, but yeah, I think that she, is super protective of her friends. I feel like that's like a core value of hers and would do anything to protect them, even die herself, which she like proves that she has no problem just like walking into death. 
And unfortunately for her, Xander has to give her mouth to mouth to live, <laughs> which kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, because Angel has no air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh must be super awkward to like come back to life in this like puddle and realize that your boyfriend cucked himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. while you were passed out. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, dude. And then technically the master kills Buffy twice if you count the nightmare episode, you know, so they've had this kind I of interesting. I don't count the nightmare episode. <laughs> she woke up from that. She yeah. woke up from that before he, he was like, ah, and like about to bite her. And she's like, ah, ah, and like woke up. She was fine. Yeah, it was totally. just a dream. Yeah, totally, totally. But it's all, I don't know, dude. It could I don't be think off. the child had been beaten yet. I don't think that the realities had merged at that in the at morning. At that time? Yeah, it was the morning. It was before the morning of the Little League game, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> dude, and so the master, which, you know, is our big bad of season one, Fruit Punch Mouth himself, which... <laughs> it's just the best name for him because he really does have fruit punch mouth. It's so gross. I mean, I guess he is. I'll stand by that it's drafty in the Hellmouth, and he needs some chapstick. But yeah, <laughs> something together. But it's so in this whole season, Buffy and the Master only had two scenes together in the Nightmare episode, and then in the last episode, mm. the Prophecy where he actually does kill her um and the master i really liked the master i was actually kind of sad to see him go so he is a leather daddy that was <laughs> trapped in the like the mouth of the hell mouth i guess and it's wait how did he get trapped down there so <laughs> he was trying to open the hell mouth and then like an earthquake happened <laughs> back because he's in, in LA yeah <laughs> back in like the 1900s or early 1900s and he's been trapped there ever since um and there's some dope suit GI that they'd use to show us that he's trapped <laughs> where like the air gets wavy <laughs> and he holds his arms up in frustration <laughs> um Okay, so the master, so he's living in the Hellmouth, the super fancy dungeon, only accessible by the sewer, and he's a super powerful old vamp, and he's dead set on opening the portal to hell, <laughs> which is the Hellmouth. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I'm really going to miss him. He was very dramatic and flamboyant like any good Disney villain <laughs> and he liked to get super biblical and like read prophecies out of dust he had them memorized books. yeah he, he would like open the book yeah. for dramatic effect and, and like not look down yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe one of his um minions had a teleprompter off camera <laughs> so that like a ring have, light yeah so he didn't have to look down <laughs> um and so, yeah, he was very, very old-timey traditional. One of the 
the vow that the vamp Luke takes to become the master's vessel was my blood is your blood. My soul is your soul. My body is your instrument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All the prophecies, all the very shit you had memorized was very sexual. For sure. Yeah. And then as if that wasn't enough, he then starts like a weird, like Jackson-esque relationship with a child. <laughs> who the anointed. Is the anointed one. <laughs> and they're always like holding hands, walking around <laughs> together. And to be fair, it's the anointed one that's initiating that hand holding shit, dude. He's always like <laughs> reaching out hauntingly for the master's hand. Dude, yeah, because he's a child and just like once an adult. Yeah. <laughs> like be a pace parent. <laughs> and the um so the kid's the only one who can walk above ground. And so basically the whole point of him is to bring Buffy into the hellmouth and f- fight the master mm-hmm. and yeah and then the master kills buffy and is just like bye bitch and leaves her face down in a puddle <laughs> to fucking die dude he's really brutal um i wish that they danced though like i thought like it was all set up i kind of wanted like a spooky dance scene like she, it's prom <laughs> she's in her prom dress i felt like he was talking super close to her face and i think that if there was anything that i wished happened between the relationship of buffy and the master was in that little weird dungeon scene that there was like a little bit of a slow dance <laughs> like they're dancing to like one of those creepy like violas yes, that has dude. the scratchy or like an and organ then, <laughs> and like he while he's like dancing he's revealing like the whole plot like yes. all the steps of the plot or yes, whatever dude. and they're having like quip like a quippy passive aggressive conversation yeah like exactly. they're playing a chess a mind chess game while they're dancing is exactly. that what you're envisioning 100 <laughs> You'll get it in season six. You'll get your like flamboyant villain in the musical episode. And oh, there will be a dance with like plot unraveling through dialogue. <laughs> It'll come. <laughs> Good. Wait, can we also quickly touch on how the master is the only character that becomes a skeleton? <laughs> yeah, so the master is a vamp right like even though he's a very powerful old vamp he's still a vamp and he dies and there's a dust scene move like that's in episode 12 yeah and then he instead of completely turning to dust he's a skeleton (laughs) and it's just left there i mean it it was cool (laughs) you know but yeah, Do you that, think I was really if confused. anyone's bones would be dust, it'd be him. He's like the old, like he's hella old. <laughs> yeah, he was basically just bones with like a, like yeah, a very chapped leather <laughs> old skin <laughs> wrapped around him. Jesse turns to dust, and he was a vampire for like two days. Yeah, Maybe dude. Four crux. Maybe that's his like little cursed left leave behind so someone can bring him back oh maybe if they threw blood on the skeleton do you think it would do that weird reanimation <laughs> like <laughs> slowly grow skin and shit? like in hellraiser <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dude yeah i <laughs> do you think that <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, nice. I think that's a good recap of like the best. Want to talk about Starcross lovers? There was lots of sexual tension between the master and Buffy. They just hated each other so much. Totally. But hate comes from love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a powerful emotion. Okay. Well, that kind of brings me into Willow, who has a less fortunate kind of star-crossed love going on. Um, Willow began the series as kind of a classic nerd. Like, she's a member of the math and science clubs, and she's like the go-to person to get tutored by. And like everyone in the like popular cheerleader crowd kind of makes fun of her and also kind of a trope in that character she is helplessly in love with her childhood and like lifetime best friend xander <laughs> dumb reason <laughs> um, uh, unknown unbeknownst to us but there she is in love with him especially she hates herself <laughs> Yeah, because she hates herself. Totally. She can fix him, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Even Willow can't. Um, Yeah, so she she begins the series as kind of a trope, but her, like, sense of humor, I feel like, really shows through, and Buffy befriends her immediately in the first episode when she sees Cordelia kind of bullying her. Buffy swoops in and makes friends with Willow, and thereby, kind of on accident, makes friends with Xander and Jesse at the time. Um, Willow, it seems like, has been friends with Sandra and Jesse both for a long time, but we don't really get any more of that because Jesse doesn't make it very long. Um, throughout the season one arc, she does start to gain some of her own power, and I feel like it's kind of fucked up, but it seems like it really starts when she has her first boyfriend, when she gets catfished by Malcolm, who's really Moloch, the corrupter. <laughs> um, but having her first, like, internet boyfriend and giving her some space from in love with Xander, I think, probably, seems like it starts to build up her self-esteem a little bit, and after that episode, I think we start to see Willow standing up for herself a little bit more and maybe pining over Xander a little bit less to the point where by the end of the season, when Xander tries to turn to her as a last resort, Willow like hella puts him in his place and tells him that she doesn't want to be a, a last resort for him. And she doesn't want to be the person that he goes to when someone else, i.e. Buffy rejects him And I feel like I was very proud of her for that. Uh, We also see Willow doing some of her first kind of witchy stuff in the witch episode where she makes her first potion to determine whether or not Amy is a witch when she is able to like pretty ruthlessly get the eye of Newt out when Xander can't do it. She takes the frog away and immediately (sighs) pulls it out and drops it into the potion and like makes a totally successful potion that shows them that Amy is. Um, She's also got some trauma, which we've seen like not from her best friend dying and not from living on the Hellmouth her entire life, but when the 
Order of Aurealis murders all those people in the AV club. She seems like super emotionally traumatized by that. And we don't really know how she's affected yet by being attacked by that like hell spawn tentacle arm that almost killed her in the last episode but she definitely just lived through some crazy shit and is now way more aware of the student deaths and like why they're happening so i think we'll see in future episodes how she's continuing to change not only in her like personal self-esteem but also in her world view and how she is reacting to the like horrible events that are happening around her um yeah and then i also wanted to talk about another budding love between giles and miss calendar <laughs> also i didn't know that her first name was jenny yeah jenny calendar well because <laughs> we probably haven't called her that yet because okay. her and aren't like quite there yet because they have a slow burning love but i think that by season two you'll start to hear her called more familiarly by her first name cool he gets off on calling her miss calendar dude. <laughs> yeah. <Love it. laughs> more british dude okay so i'll start with i'll start with giles um Giles started the first season really as as just a watcher as pretty hardcore and he seems like he seems dedicated to his duty and he seems like he expected the slayer to just automatically be dedicated as well and to mm. be super committed and like I don't think that anyone prepared him for the possibility of a rebellious teenage girl to <laughs> and so he's kind of floundering and he's kind of trying to just put responsibility on her and expecting her to just take it and change everything about herself and like give up her own personality and her own life goals and just focus on slaying which obviously Buffy's not going to do but he he turns into by the end of it much more of like a mentor and a father figure to Buffy and like kind of an advisor to Willow and Xander as well, which I don't think that he was necessarily prepared for either. Um, I think that it's obvious throughout this season that Giles cares deeply about Buffy, but it's the most obvious when he goes to try to kill the master himself. Mm. Buffy like quits, quits being a slayer and he at first pushes back, but at the end he's like, you're right, you can't go. So I'm gonna go and deal with this instead. And the only thing that stops him is getting one punched by Buffy and <laughs> knocked out. But at that point in the season, that's where he was at, where as the beginning, Buffy called him a textbook with arms. <laughs> so, like, he has had a pretty significant arc. Um, he is also, yeah, having this kind of like flirtatious relationship with the computer science teacher, Jenny Calendar, Ms. Calendar, as we know her right now. Um, 
she's had less of a story arc, but she's still developed a little bit in her time in this first season since we met her. She, I think, started out as kind of like a cool, like stylish teacher who's a little younger compared to the other teachers we've had, except for the one who was actually a praying mantis. This is <laughs> by far the coolest staff member that we've come across and she's like yeah she's a techno pagan or yeah. cyber pagan or whatever <laughs> oh, no dude you're right she's a techno pagan it's, <laughs> it's amazing and she's in a cyber coven coven a cyber coven um yeah and she is like has to help defeat Malik because he's in the computers and Giles <laughs> have known what to do um and I think at this point, she, she knows that Buffy is the Slayer. Giles has told her. She has participated in helping defeat one monster. And now she was also present for the opening of the Hellmouth and present for the Master mm-hmm. being killed, which were like pretty huge things for her to be around for. So mm-hmm. I think whether the Scooby gang intended on it or not she has kind of like forged a place for herself in the group now which i'm super happy about because I like her. yeah yeah she like casually though. wears a, wears weekday crimped hair <laughs> <laughs> and she has a leather jacket in every color <laughs> it's amazing yeah, from like before. That's why she comes in with her sunglasses on in a building still. She's hung over <laughs> as shit every day. Every day, yeah. Okay, so let's go over. We save the best for last. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start off with the first um, or the last official member of the Scooby gang, Xander. So Xander is like (laughs) obviously our least favorite (laughs) of the Scooby gang (laughs) he has his ups and he has his downs I feel like depending on which episode if you were to watch like any single episode from season one out of context you can definitely either be like okay Xander is like a cool productive member of the gang or you're confused why they're friends with like a rapist (laughs) (laughs) creep So he, I feel like he has like a very interesting, he has like ups and downs throughout the whole season. Um, Obviously, you know, in the first two episodes, he, he meets Buffy because he, um, you know, he's just like a high school guy. He hears that there's a new girl and she's from LA and she's obviously super hot. So he (laughs) is intrigued to know more about her. Um, But that's kind of like as far as it goes you know he's his first interaction is like uh she he they bump into each other she drops her whole purse her whole purse kind of like unloads on the floor (laughs) and he goes up and says can I have you instead of he accidentally says that quote unquote instead of saying can I help you so it's kind of like maybe he he just watched that Casper movie (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I got to try this one out. And it didn't, it, it, it flopped. So he said, can I help you? Um, so yeah, he's definitely, 
off the bat it's like you know he is like you know this high school dude who's having all of these hormonal attractions and feelings um we end up finding out you know later on in the season that he's a virgin so he's probably furiously masturbating like five times a day has like a lot of (laughs) sexual like repressed energy um that unfortunately throughout the season ends up being funneled to Buffy um season so episode three which is the witch episode that's where we start to get more of like the red flags of like xander and like how he views friendship with the women in his life um so this is the episode where he actually like gives buffy a bracelet it's like an id bracelet that's engraved with yours always um you know completely unsolicited Buffy's obviously put off by this weird gift um he you know when he's talking to Willow about the gift he kind of describes them as like basically dating you know so it's definitely already a very weird vibes (laughs) a weird energy that he's putting out um with someone who obviously just like wants to be his friend um and this is also the episode where you kind of get a peek into how he views willow when he describes her as like one of the guys so to to xander like his relationship was with willow is like purely friendship which is kind of the back and forth that willow has to you know kind of like tortures her throughout the season because she obviously like has feelings for him um there's also an episode you know, in the teacher's pet episode, Xander, it starts off with Xander's sex dream (laughs) about saving Buffy and then doing a guitar solo in the bronze, which we realized was a metaphor for him coming, uh, obviously. Um, But this is also the episode where he has like a weird relationship with his teacher. This is kind of kicking off like one of the very like numerous fucked up relationships that Xander's has um throughout the series um and then the rest of the time he spends it's like he's either jealous of um Angel Buffy's relationship with Angel or he's jealous of the one episode where she dates Owen um and then weirdly later on in the season he is jealous when Willow has a boyfriend too so he just feels some type of like ownership and entitlement obviously to both willow and um buffy buffy more so because that's you know his crush throughout the all of season one um and just he also yeah so he has like i said either depending on what episode you're watching he's either like helping the gang you know like in i robot you jane puppet show nightmares he's really just like helping where he's needed to like save you know Giles or to save Willow or to save everyone um but then there's you know also super shitty episodes um probably peak two peak shitty times is like one in the pack and this one I'll give him a pass for because he actually his he's soul bonded with like a hyena right so it's technically like not him but it's arguable that it's allowing his baser like thoughts kind of control his actions and this is in this episode he actually like pins Buffy to the ground at one point and like won't get off of her he like kind of forces himself on her and like necks her basically like against her will which is really awkward and then 
at the be- end of the episode, he like avoids taking accountability by mm-hmm. pretending that like he can't remember anything that he's done. So that was probably like the peak shittiness of Xander kind of moment. Um, the other one being in Prophecy Girl, where he finally admits his feelings for Buffy you know, directly, which is kind of like they've been dancing around it for so long. Buffy obviously avoiding the conversation purposefully. But when he finally like tracks her down and says how he feels and she, you know, says she doesn't feel the same way, he totally like gaslights her and storms off and like guilt trips her and just is like a total dick about it. So we, yeah, depending on the episode, we either... (laughs) are okay with Xander or absolutely hate him. He like develops over time, but I don't think, I think season one, it was really confusing what you're really supposed to feel about Xander at the end of the day, considering he's like a main character, you know? So it's interesting that he's in these situations where you have like a reaction of just really not wanting him to be like near Buffy or Willow, but you realize that he has to be throughout the rest of the show so it's definitely like definitely a roller coaster of emotions with Xander um Angel on the other hand (laughs) (laughs) Prince Charming Daddy my favorite (laughs) um he is yeah he is like just my favorite one of my favorite characters to be totally honest I am a sucker for like the unrequited back and forth like sexual energy that they have throughout the whole season um (laughs) and I just love how creepy and what a fuck boy (laughs) (laughs) um so they meet in episode one because he's like stalking her in the night (laughs) and uh she ends up knocking him over dude because someone's following her so um you know from there we get our first kind of cryptic helpful (laughs) non-helpful warning that he gives um where he just talks about being ready for the harvest doesn't tell her what the harvest is (laughs) saying that he's a friend but clarifying it doesn't mean that he's her friend um and then Similar to Xander, he just gives her a piece of jewelry, but for some reason, this is not creepy. It's only hot. (laughs) Um, And it's that we get the infamous chunky uh, silver cross necklace that she wears throughout the rest of the season. So that's in episode one. So off the bat, um, you know, we're already wet for Angel and we already want more. We demand more, (laughs) at least me personally. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Um, Yeah, we continue to get just super (laughs) moody. My favorite moody response for Angel is actually in the second episode, The Harvest. Um, He meets Buffy in the crypt, which is like the secret entrance to the master's lair. And Buffy finds the entrance like no thanks to Angel at all. So they meet there and he's like, yeah, it took you long enough to find this entrance, <laughs> even though he definitely could have told her and just like did it. So that's already, you know, like, wow. Okay, thanks for all the help. Um, but then at one point she's like talking about, you know, she's here to help her friends. Like, would you like, do you even know what it's like to have friends? And instead of responding, he just silently gazes off into the distance. (laughs) 
and it's super awkward. And so Buffy's just like, okay, then bye. Wish me luck. And he again, just like stares silently. And then he waits until Buffy is out of earshot to say, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, so good. Dude, and like before she knows anything about him, she like lets him sleep over at her house, dude. Well, dude, yeah. So, okay. So (laughs) (laughs) that I love. Okay. I also love that Angel gets an entire episode Mm -hmm. of character development and backstory. So that's actually episode seven, which is called Angel. Um, And this is the episode where, again, the master, he is pissed. He sends the three. And this is, it's season seven. And this is the first, or episode seven. This is the first time that we see Angel actually help Buffy in any way, like actually give an assist. And that's when he saves her from the three that are about to kill her. Um, After saving her, they run back to Buffy's house um, and she invites him in. So that's where we learn about like inviting vampires in. And basically Buffy, who's a fucking player, dude, she's just like, oh, you should spend the night because if you go back out there, the three will get you. So you have to stay in my room. And then she's like, you need to take your shirt off. (laughs) Dude, yes. And that's where we see Angel's abs for the first time. And his weird feminine tattoo. Yeah, it's like sexy bird. Yeah, with an A. (laughs) It's definitely a tramp stamp that's on his shoulder. Um, Dude, you know countless people have that as tramp stamps. Oh my god, I want it as a tramp stamp. <laughs> um, he also does a total again fuck boy. He Buffy, who has like this super casual like sexual relationship with him, tries to sh- make it so Joyce doesn't see him when Joyce comes home from work but Angel insists on just like walking up and meeting and <laughs> his like fuck buddy's mom and like giving himself like a sense of permanence that's like but also not being around at all so definitely <laughs> fucking love this guy um very presumptuous but this is also the episode okay so we get a little bit of angel's backstory um so you know giles is researching and finds out that angel is actually a super vicious and well-known vampire named angelus um but since coming to america he's given up his vampy ways he doesn't even drink human blood anymore and we also find out that this is where we realize that angel is like over 200 years old so simultaneously while finding this out it's also giving us very creepy vibes that he's sleeping in buffy's room and eventually (laughs) they super hardcore start making out um but the makeout sesh also reveals that Angel's true nature to Buffy and she's super shocked by it she actually like screams I we've never seen Buffy like scream no matter what pops out at her like a robot a praying mantis lady vampire she's never like afraid but she actually had like a super blood curdling scream when she realized that she was making out with a 240 year old pedophile vampire (laughs) that just was not okay for her um but yes we know that this is a cursed love um 
you know, they realize that they can't really be together. She's a vampire, you know, he's a vampire. She's the slayer. Um, and even though it's revealed that he has the soul because of a gypsy curse put on him, um, it's just not going to work out. Right. So they have a moment in, you know, at the end of the angel episode where they have like a goodbye kiss and we don't see him again until the season finale where um, he ends up being, Giles actually calls him to talk about a prophecy that he found that says that Buffy's going to die. Um, you know, he's obviously there to help her in defeating the master and kind of cementing that this isn't a goodbye and, you know, definitely the feels. The feels are real. <laughs> and she wears the leather jacket, his leather jacket all the time, and it changes sizes every episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's a magic jacket. <laughs> she definitely is a seamstress on the side. <laughs> or it's just a, of traveling, goods, a traveling pants type <laughs> of jacket. <laughs> yeah. I love Angel. I'm obsessed. Christy doesn't think he's as hot as I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, so that's a little recap of our main cast of characters that were introduced to in season one who are going to continue to solve well, besides the master because he's a skeleton now, but <laughs> everyone else is going to continue on in season two. Um, we thought it might be fun to go through, you know, like some of our favorites. Um, so Maybe we'll start with our favorite monsters. Um, mine was, I actually surprised myself, but mine was definitely Amy's mom in The Witch. And- <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I was just like kind of revisiting all of the monsters and the episodes, and I just felt like this for me was the episode that really set the tone like of the show. Of Buffy because in those first two seasons or first two episodes of the harvest and the hellmouth is you know like the introduction to how crazy and supernatural everything is and all these you know you get how heavy everything is with the master and all these vamps <clears throat> and then season three or episode three we're reminded that they're also just in high school <laughs> it's just a show about high schoolers and it's really just a show about a teenage girl and I love how Amy's mom the witch I love how she freaky Fridays with her daughter <laughs> and like steals her daughter's body just so she can go back to high school to relive her glory days of being the head cheerleader and she injures a bunch of cheerleaders on her mission to like get on the cheer team um and i just felt like the themes of cheerleading competition jealousy eating disorders ambitions parental expectations soon followed by parental disappointment felt like all of that really kind of summed up the themes that we're going to go through well I don't know about the eating disorders but maybe vamps kind of have an eating disorder (laughs) 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 so um yeah I 
was surprised though because when I was watching it it like I'm just surprised that that's what ended up coming back to be my favorite plus she had all those creepy Barbies <laughs> and was like really into arts and crafts so that was awesome <laughs> why did you like the mom why was your favorite villain the mom Christy Dude, I felt like she was just the most fucked up. Like, <laughs> out of all of the monsters, the scariest thing to me was, yeah, a, like, disappointed parent who is <laughs> literally going to take over your body and attack high school students <laughs> to relive their glory days and then feel like disappointed she has amy has this point where she's like my body just won't do what it's supposed to do and it's like yeah dude even with your like crazy body swap like your body can still only do so much no matter how much you fucking practice it's not gonna be the same body as your own 20 fucking years ago (laughs) Yeah, that was that was definitely the scariest, the scariest monster to me. Dude, mine was Moloch. <laughs> because he when he is like a crazy robot with horns, <laughs> that was the best. Because it was I really loved that they how much practical effects went into like building him as like a villain. Um and then even when he was in the computer, he ha- he was like an 8-bit, like, demon face. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, I just, yeah, he just was my favorite. He was definitely the most dramatic. He had, like, the most flair of all the demons. I mean, even in the beginning of the episode when he has, like, a super gay relationship with his followers, <laughs> it was very <laughs> sexual. Um, yeah, I just thought he was, he was my favorite of all the villains yeah he was pretty his horns made him like pretty traditional like demon <laughs> looking yeah um, and he like had to have them in his robot body too which was hilarious he could have looked yeah. like anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah and his um the way that he like got everyone to love him he was like so manipulative um yeah it was definitely just made him like extra scary and evil yeah did you guys have any like favorite death scenes okay yes I feel like I one of them is when Herbert's pig gets eaten alive because no not like it was the best one but it was like definitely I think the most fucked up death scene that occurs but my favorite death scene is when vamp jesse gets accidentally pushed into the stake that xander's holding because (laughs) there's like too much of a pussy to just kill his childhood best friend who's a vampire now he can't let go of that emotional connection but some girl like gets shoved into vamp jesse and he accidentally hits the stake (laughs) hard enough i guess (laughs) Exactly in the heart. (laughs) And he dies. Dude, yeah, she must have pushed him so hard. Also, (laughs) that stake was hella sharp. (laughs) He's literally just standing there holding it, applying no pressure whatsoever. Yeah, that was my favorite one for sure. 
That's that's so good. <laughs> My favorite death definitely had to do with Malik, dude. Like, and it was at the beginning of the episode when it's just that like <laughs> that young man in like robes, and he's oh, like, yeah. "Do you love me?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Yes, I love you, master." And then he like snaps his neck. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, immediately after that is when all the monks are like, come, demon, come. <laughs> Dude, Moloch was the best, the best fucking villain. <laughs> yeah, it was very, like, another just, like, very um, dramatic, <laughs> dramatic villain. Mine was when Buffy kills the vessel in the second episode so they're like fighting at the bronze the vessel i think it's like luke is like Mm -hmm. the vessel at this point and he she's like um you forgot one thing sunrise and she like (laughs) punts a spear or something through a window and like the street light comes through and the vessel thinks that he's being burned by the sun for a second (laughs) and so it distracts him and um, Buffy stakes him. And so this is actually why it's my favorite death. She stakes him and his body and the stake turn to dust. Oh, and that no. does not happen <laughs> for any other vampire. <laughs> it was the best. What were, what was the Buffy's outfit that was your favorite that she wore? In the hyena episode at the end, um, they're like recounting how horrible everything was and like Buffy's trauma from Xander. And it's like a sunny ass hot day in California. <laughs> and Buffy has on like a mini skirt, but also she has on a beanie, like a black beanie. <laughs> 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 and she never wears beanies throughout the rest of the whole season or ever again, I think. Maybe they just and like couldn't so get her place. hair to work. It was dude. like a short sleeve black shirt, and like everything else is for hot weather. And then she has like a beanie on. <laughs> <laughs> was the best one, dude. I don't know. My my favorite was when she was slaying with Giles, and she's <sighs> literally slaying. She is wearing black pants with like knee high black boots, but then this like fur hoodie with like a tiger stripe print and the hood is up so she's like squatting in this like tiger hoodie with (laughs) waiting for vamps to come oh that was a really good one (laughs) yeah okay well my favorite outfit actually takes us back into that episode eight malik episode lots of favorites in there and it's when she goes to spy on (laughs) on the like evil building and she is wearing this like full-on spy outfit like she definitely (laughs) went home to change to get it and it is this like full-on trench coat that's like a dark brown but like crushed velvet (laughs) material and she has the collar popped and then she has on the tiniest red glass oh yeah (laughs) yeah to hide her face (laughs) and it's so obvious dude and then they like see her on the security camera (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh so good dude 
what was the best Buffy quip? Um, okay, so my favorite Buffy quip was a back and forth between her and the master in the last episode where he says, you were destined to die. It was written. And Buffy replies, what can I say? I flunked the written. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. She's so cool. Failing class. (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. Wow. Okay, mine is when she is trying to, basically in the, um, which episode is it? Episode five, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. And Buffy is trying to go on a date with Owen on the same night that the anointed is supposed to rise. And she is trying to negotiate with Giles that she can take the night off to go on this date. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's cool. I won't go far. And if the world is going to end, beat me. (laughs) Hello, this is Jen chiming in during editing. Just want to correct the quote that it's actually, if the apocalypse comes, beat me. I knew that that would come back to bite us if we got one of the most iconic quotes from Buffy wrong. So just wanted to put a quick correction in there and get ahead of it. Thanks. And I think that is definitely the most iconic uh, line for me. It's very 90s. <laughs> it's like, don't call me, beat me. Because there's yeah, no cell yeah. phones. <laughs> so good, dude. Yeah, I do think that that's probably one of the best ones. And it's, it, I feel like it kind of captures the whole like, mood of the show. It's like snarky, but in 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also the world ending could happen because they live on the mouth of hell totally, totally dude Appar- apparently <laughs> yeah I think that honestly those are, those were really good I feel like the I think that the best thing that Buffy says is when she talks about how the vamps like go through the sewers so that they like don't catch rays <laughs> <laughs> Wait, also, I need to do a shout out because the, I feel like the best moment for me of season one was when Darla had a gun. <laughs> oh my <laughs> dude. <laughs> Just get, get, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, dude. Totally. That came out of That needs a shout out. Nowhere. <laughs> that was the biggest twist of the whole season. And it really puts it into perspective that Buffy is showing up places with pieces of wood and guns and like exist. maces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And like holy water. <laughs> yeah. Like she could just do a gun with a wooden stake bullet or something. Right? Something like a splinter bullet or something. Yeah. I don't know. Because that's all the pressure. Or silver. Well, I think those are werewolves yeah, that no, you shoot with silver burn. bullets. Oh, no, it's the cross. If she etched yeah. a cross into the bullets, would that fuck Ooh, them up? nice. Yeah, there you go. Or, like, fill bullets with holy water. Yeah. Mm, soak them. Yeah. We need a writing credit. Yeah. Reboot. Canon, canon. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, um, I think this was awesome. I've had a, a super fun time revisiting Buffy. You know, this is the first time that I've rewatched any of these episodes since they were like on TV <laughs> or, you know, since reruns or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was watching reruns, but it's still been a very long time and I really don't remember anything. And so it's fun to be like totally shocked. And I feel like I get a lot of moments that, you know, definitely make me surprised and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited for Seth Green. Is he next season? Do you know? Or is that not till season three? I can't remember if it's next season. So I guess it'll be a surprise for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, Fang Gang. So until um, next time when we start season two, thanks for listening. This episode was created and recorded by Amanda Kelly, Chris Rath, and Jen Rath. It was edited by Jen Rath. Our theme music is by Daniel Nico and James Bassa. Thanks everyone for listening.